Last time we were looking at the book of Acts, we finished up with chapter 4, which told us about this season in the church where a spirit of great generosity had broken out. A man named Joseph sold his property, and he brought all of the proceeds and laid it at the apostles' feet, and he was so transformed by this act of giving that the apostles went ahead and changed his name to Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. That's what happens when you commit yourself to a life of giving. It takes over your whole identity. Today's text tells us that there was another couple in the church named Ananias and Sapphira who also got caught up in the spirit of generosity, sort of. <laughs> they, too, sold a piece of property. Ananias brought the, some of the proceeds, some of the proceeds, to the apostles, said it was everything that he had earned from this property because he was holding back some of it. He had lied. Peter unveils the lie and Ananias drops dead. A few hours later, the exact same scenario unfolds with his wife, Sapphira. We are not told that God killed these people. Maybe they died of shame. Maybe they died of a sudden heart attack. Because the text doesn't tell us how they died, the text is saying that's not the point. The point is that they were lying to God and to the church. Now, I am sure of this much. After Ananias sold this piece of property and he put that bag of money on the kitchen table where he and Sapphira were sitting, staring at the money, neither one of them said, here's a good idea, let's lie to God. I know that didn't happen. <laughs> Instead, as they stared at the money, they said something like, you know, we have a lot of bills. And we were hoping to go to seminary next year, and that cost a lot of money. <laughs> and God understands these many demands we have, and after all, isn't all the money God's anyway? So we can say we're giving it all to God because he actually has it all anyway. It was a lovely rationalization. I'm sure they came up with something like that. But out of their fear, their anxiety, they held back something from God just in case they needed it. I think this is what angers the Holy Spirit so much, this notion of just in case, I'll hold this back. Yes, I'll call myself a disciple. Yes, I'll say that Jesus is my only savior. Yes, I'll follow this Lord anywhere. But just in case these dreams don't work out, I've got this little thing going on the side. My grandmother was a great <clears throat> just in case woman. She had somehow barely survived the depression. And so she no longer trusted banks. She kept instead all of her money in teacups in the china cabinet. One of the cup had a roll of money in it for groceries. Another teacup had a roll of money in it for house expenses, maintenance, utilities, that kind of thing. Another teacup had the money in it that she used for clothing and some of the other needs of the family. Her favorite teacup was called the Mad Money Teacup which meant that any time she got mad, she could go out and spend some of that money. <laughs> but the big wad, 
was in not a teacup, but the teapot in this china cabinet. That was the biggest wad of all. And that was her just-in-case money. Because as she would say to her grandsons, you just never know. Again, she had been through the Depression. You just never know what might happen. Just in case I've got this wad set aside. We all have that same temptation. Just in case I have this set aside. Maybe it's a little stash of money for you too. Maybe your just-in-case teapot is filled with kind of your own identity of being young. So you'll try out this theological education thing, but just in case you're young enough to start over and do something else, you could go to law school or business school or barber school or something else, just in case I'll keep my youth. Maybe your just-in-case fun is all about a hurt that you had a long time ago. You'll call Jesus Lord and Savior. You'll give Jesus everything except this hurt because it's been with you so long. It's part of your identity. So you're not willing to give that part up to Jesus. You can be Lord of everything but that old hurt. Or maybe it was some old achievements, some old trophies that are still cluttering your life. Sure, I'll enter into ministry and be this one another anonymous pastor somewhere, but just in case, I remember I used to be somebody. Or maybe your just-in-case is a relationship that means everything to you. A boyfriend, a girlfriend, a, a husband, a wife, a, a child. You, you can't imagine ever having to give this one up. Surely God doesn't want this one. God gave her to me. God gave him to me. I, I, can't, I can't give back. Just-in-case, I'm going to hang on to this person. Jesus can be Lord of everything, but not this relationship. I once had a couple who came in to see me for their premarital counseling sessions named Mike and Sue. We had gotten through all the premarital counseling part of the sessions. I thought we'd done quite well with that. They were coming in for their last meeting, which was the meeting where we were supposed to be putting the wedding service together. And I had the liturgy out there, and we were about to make whatever changes we need to make to the liturgy. And, and just before we launched into our conversation on the wedding, Mike said, wait, 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 Pastor, I'm, I, I can't do this yet. I just have to say first, I'm really, really terrified. So he now has Sue's attention. And as he sees his fiancée welling up with tears, he says, no, 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 sweetheart, you don't understand. It's not that I don't want to marry you. It's that I'm terrified of losing you. He says, as you know, when my mother passed away, I was a teenager, and it almost killed me. I barely got through that. And I love you even more than I did her. So what I'm terrified of is the thought that I will lose you someday. Then he looked at me with these great big puppy dog eyes, and I knew what he wanted me to say. What he wanted me to say was, oh, Mike, don't be silly. You're both young. You've got your whole life ahead of you. Nothing's going to happen. Just relax. Let's get into this wedding. You're going to have a great marriage. But I couldn't say that because I have buried too many brides that were young. So instead, I looked at him and I said, you know, Mike, in my experience, 100% of all marriages come to an end, and you're not going to beat those odds. Now let's get back to the wedding. Thank <laughs> you.
And he looked at me with these eyes like saucers and said, what? I said, well, I mean, some marriages come to an end tragically through divorce, others end by death, but they all end. I mean, that's the way it's going to be. Now, do you want to come down the aisle or do you want to come? <laughs> so I, I don't understand what you're talking about. So all right, all right, all right, let's just think through this with me. Let's say you have, let's say you're 30 years old. Let's say, let's just say you have the best marriage Earth has ever seen and it lasts a long time. So let's add... What, you want to live to 100? Let's add 70 years then to your time now. Let's say you have a 70-year marriage. They're very rare, but let's say you have one. A 70-year marriage. And each day of your marriage is spent falling deeper and deeper in love with each other. You become more and more intimate as the years pile up. You become closer and closer to the point where your souls have intertwined with each other, and you don't even know who each other is without the other person. Still, at the end of this extraordinary marriage, one of you is going to lay the other one into the arms of God. And that's going to tear your heart and soul apart. Young people think that when old lovers lay another one into the grave, that they say, well, you know, we had a good run, I can't complain. That's not what they say. They're so intricately caught up with each other, they don't know who they are any, anymore apart from this person. Their souls have been hollowed out. And that's the best scenario. It can't be better than that, right? It cannot be better than that. So I said to Mike, why do you want to go through that? I say, give her up today. Let's get this stuff over with right from the start. Place her back into the hands of God today. This is not your stash. She has always belonged to God. She always will belong to God. She's not yours. And so every day when you wake up and you turn over from your pillow and see her next to you in bed, you will say, you are still here. Thanks be to God. <laughs> Each day is another day of receiving the gifts that you have. They all belong to God. We cling to nothing. We don't have one hand saying, yes, I will give, I'll follow Jesus, but I've got my stash in this hand. Does this look like the posture of faith to you? <laughs> no, th this is the posture of faith. Two-handed, open, giving, holding back nothing. It, it all is yours. I'm, I'm not holding back a thing, oh God. And we give this way because we are created in the image of God who gives this way. This is what the Apostle Paul meant in the first chapter of Ephesians where he says, you have received every spiritual blessing from the heavenly places, all of it, all that heaven has to give. You've received it all by the two-handed giving from God. Commenting on this passage, the second century apologist Irenaeus compared God to the father of the prodigal who runs down the road and with open hands, one hand, Irenaeus says, is the Holy Spirit, the other hand is the Son, and the Father takes the Spirit and the Son with open hands and he grabs us prodigals and he pulls us to his breast. 
It's one of the first theologies we have of the Trinity, of a God who's determined to give everything he has to pull us to his own heart in the image of the father of the prodigal. Two-handed giving. And what Irenaeus was really after is that if you want to find yourself in this embrace with God, you too have to have two hands to embrace. Two hands wide open, holding back nothing. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, amen.